right. Thank you. All right. Well, good morning. I want to start by just getting right to some probing questions. Let's see if I can turn this on. Okay. Let's go one, one forward. All right. Well, you're going to have to wait for the suspense of these questions here. Okay, here we go. Is it normal? They're one at a time, so wait up. Is it normal for you to say, I was wrong or sorry? Is that normal? Yeah. Any, 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 like, no's? Okay. Next one. Do you avoid difficult but necessary conversations out of fear? Anybody? Okay, yep, all the time. Next one. Are you able to healthily process anger, sadness, and hurt? Okay. There we go. Do you instead whine, complain, distance yourself from relationships, blame others, and use sarcasm to get by? Anybody? You're getting tough now. All right. Are you highly defensive to criticism? Why would you say that? I had someone in mind, yeah. Me. Next one. No, that's great. Do you expect to be taken care of and often treat people as objects to meet your needs? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, welcome to church where the ground is level at the foot of the cross. If you answered no to all of these questions, you may just be hopelessly unaware. <laughs> so, um, I don't know what to say more about that. Here's, oops, now this is working now. Okay, now, trash cans. I have a story, a personal story about a trash can in my life. A couple weeks ago, you know, it's cold in Michigan, although it hasn't been snowing too much. You don't see your neighbors all that much. And so I get home from work, mid-afternoon, park the car. I'm going to take the, the trash can back to the house. My neighbor, who I hadn't seen in weeks, maybe months, kind of the two doors down neighbor, she kind of waves me down and says, hey, and I and I'm kind of stop pulling the trash can and go to, go to greet her. And, she, and, and rather than... What I expected was, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. How's the baby? What she, what she instead said was, you know, it's against the city ordinance to keep your trash can in the street. You really shouldn't do that. In fact, it blocks the snow plows, and I don't know who started it in this neighborhood, but you need to stop. And I felt all the stuff coming up in me. Like, what? who do you think you are, man? And so, without, not out of my head, but out of my gut, I say, are you telling me that I can't put my trash can in the street? And she says, 
yeah, because it's against the city ordinance and the blocks of snow plows. And, and I said, and my heart is, you know, racing. I say, okay, thank you. Have a good day. And I pull my trash can back to my house. And on the way back, tension in my, in my heart. I'm like, who the heck knows the city ordinances? What is this all about? And by the way, I didn't put the trash can in the street. The garbage men pulled it out into the street because there's a car in the way. And uh, why, who does she think? She, and I'm just like, defend. This is all gut level. I'm not thinking, like, listing out my rational response. I'm just like making a defense against myself because this lady, well meaning, maybe, maybe not, she calls me out, and I'm not interested in having that happen. I, by the way, I still haven't reconciled with her. This is a fresh story. So I don't have a positive ending to this. I haven't seen her again, and I haven't sought her out. It's probably my issue. The question is, what's your trash can? And it's plural, right? So what's your trash cans? What are the things in your life that, that you just, they're buried, they're underneath there, but when, when someone says something, when something happens, when you need to, to say something, but there's just this thing in you that won't let it happen. What are those things? What are those situations that are common in your life that are blocking the character of Jesus from being formed in you? That's what we want to look at throughout this whole series. We've got seven weeks ahead of us where we're entering into the desire to be a more emotionally healthy community. That doesn't mean we're at zero. It doesn't mean we're at 100. It means we got, we're all, like Jimmy said, a work in progress. But it takes a, a willingness to look into the pain. It takes a willingness to walk into the wounds, to actually let God in to those places in our hearts that we want to build a wall. We want to put up a defense. We want to to justify ourselves and act like it's not us. I think the scary thing is sometimes we are unaware. It's not like we have this, this all thought through list of what the trash cans are. We're unaware. We don't even know because it's hard. It's painful to see. It's painful to think about. It's painful to look at. And so although I admit, you know, I got some stuff, you know, I'm not perfect, but nobody is, so we're good. Rather than actually saying, oh, I just responded like that. What's going on in my heart? Like, what's happening here? That's, that is hard work. That is painful work. That's the work of God to mature us and to actually let Christ be formed in us. And I want to submit to you today, there is, this is the way of the cross. It's not just for the, the, the select few Christians who are willing to go there. It is, it, is, it is necessary for anybody who looks to Jesus as Lord to also look to Him for the, for the direction and the remainder of their life. We had baptisms today. Buried in the, in the death of Jesus. Rise, raised to newness of life. Your life is no longer your own if you believe in Jesus. He's bought you and He is Lord of your life. That means He has, he has the reins that means when you get offended, when you respond out of, out of fear, when you, you know, don't recognize the way that your family of origin is trapping you in cycles of, 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 of anger and, and, and dominance, 
There are areas of your life where you're not letting Jesus be Lord in. And we want to we just open up the veil, let the light shine in, and say, actually, Jesus, I want you to have full reign in my life. I want you to have full access to all this stuff that I don't even have words for. And so what we hope to do in this series is to give some tools, some words, some language to actually look at what are the instruments we need just to let God into those areas. Are we on board for this? All right. To make matters a little more complicated, and this would also require a certain level of awareness to even admit this, but Jeremiah, the prophet of the Old Testament, he says, the heart is deceitful beyond all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Deceitful, being untruthful, deceptive, insincere. So we have, we have, we have our work cut out for us. Jesus is, 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 is on the move. He's wanting to take full ownership over your life. But you, have to, you have to give it over. And we have to surrender and let him into the deep, deceitful places of our hearts that we don't even want to... We don't want to see. We don't want to even know that they're there. I want to look at a scene in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus, if you know his story at all, he had it out for the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, because they were misleading and misguiding the people, the average, the Jewish people. So, in Matthew 23, he has a list of seven woes. Seven like, how dare you? Seven come-ons. We'll look at two of them. First one is, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Hypocrite being, you're a play actor. You're pretending. This isn't real life. This isn't what's going on in your real heart. You're just faking it. You hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus is just telling, telling it straight. And I think sometimes, out of self-justification, we could say, oh man, those Pharisees, dude, those are bad dudes. Rather than reading ourselves as the Pharisees. Like we can look at the Israelites saying, I can't believe how, how foolish, how stiff-necked they were. Man, God was just showing himself right to them rather than seeing ourselves as the Israelites. So when we see ourselves as the Pharisees, we hear some direct words from Jesus to the way that we pretend, to the way that we fake it, to the way that we act like everything's good when deep down we're lonely and afraid and scared. We act like everything's good when, when, when we've built a house out of straw. And, and we built a house on the sand. We can confess Jesus with our lips, but if our lives aren't living like it, man, we, 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 don't, we don't have a whole lot of ground to stand on. It's interesting, this idea of whitewashed tombs. It's basically a, a common thing in, in the Old Testament, that was, and we still do it today, in, in, in whitewashing tombs, making them visible, making them pretty. In the, in the day of Jesus, the, the tombs were whitewashed on the outskirts of the city so that as people were going into the city, faithful Jews who didn't want to contaminate themselves by touching anything unclean, being a grave, 
These, the graves were, were demarcated, whitewashed, obvious, don't come near. You can see the, the ornaments, the, the beauty of them, but don't touch them because if you touch them, you'll be unclean. You're like a whitewashed tomb. It may look good. It may designate you in some way. But when you really look inside, you know it's, a, it's, a, it's full of dead bones. It's no, we, don't need, we don't need to kid ourselves here. The next woe is very similar to the first. Teachers of the law, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. What I want to get to, and this is, this is in a way, I'm, we're teeing up this next seven weeks, which we're all kind of picking at pieces of, of this larger conversation. But the reality is it can be painful to truly look inside because if we're honest with ourselves, we might not like what we find. And yet, it's worth it because God meets us there. He doesn't meet, he doesn't meet us at the whitewashed tomb. He meets us there. And he changes us from the inside out. So, let's say it together. Inside out, not outside in. Can we do that? Inside out, not outside in. These are, this is the way of God. You can have all the cosmetics that you want. You can get your car detailed and cleaned and polished, but, but you're driving down the road, you're on E, your check engine light's on, your left front tire's low. You can keep driving. But it's not gonna, there's, there will come a day where, where that car will break down. Or you can take it in, pay the money that's necessary, you know, give, you, know, you cough up the, the money and, and actually know that there's been, there's been the work that's necessary in the inside for it to be dealt with, for it to be handled, for it to be taken care of. My prayer, my hope is that in these next seven weeks we can be honest and vulnerable with ourselves and with each other whether you're in a community group or you're just coming weekly, to actually give God access to the inside of you so that He can actually bring about real and lasting change. So last week, Pastor Cameron started us off in, in the beginning with Genesis. I want to just re- rehash that with us together. So Genesis 1, this is, this is the beginning. God's speaking. He's creating by the word of His power. And He creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve. It says He created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. This is, this is the, the, the foundational passage for the people of God to say we, we have been made, we've been endowed with dignity and, and honor by the, by the Creator God who said, I have made you in my image. The utmost beauty of my creation. No one is like you in all the other created realms. Because you bear my image. The unseen God putting in, in, in physical people His image. And yet we know that that image becomes corrupted. That image, due to, due, due to autonomous 
Adam and Eve making decisions on their own to disobey God. Don't eat, don't eat of, this, of, this, of this tree. And they eat of the tree. And, and God comes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. And, uh, and Adam eventually replies. He says, I heard you walking in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And this is a succinct like capturing of the human condition. I was, af- I was afraid, and so I, I was, because I was naked, and so I hid. What do we do when we've, we've, we've done something that we shouldn't have done? And we, and we're, and we, and we feel what, what might be the ramifications of it. We become afraid, and so, and so we try to cover ourselves, we try to hedge our best, we try to hide ourselves, because we don't want to be exposed. Because we don't want to be seen in that place. But the truth is, God sees us there. He doesn't see us with, with, with it all figured out, with the, with the whitewash on. He sees us in the, in the naked and afraid place. And so this starts the trajectory of, of humankind inheriting and, and willfully choosing to walk their own way, to walk their own path, to, to, to try to chart their own course, and repeatedly falling into their own pride, their own issues, their own sin. And, 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 and so, as, as, the, as the perfect man, God sends Jesus, fully God, fully man, to, to be the, the, the next Adam, to be the second Adam, to live the life we should have lived but didn't, and to die the death we deserve to die as His judgment in our place out of His great love. We read in Romans 5, it says God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. And so, for, for those of us here who've, 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 who've recognized our helpless state before God, and who've said, Jesus, I believe in what you've done. I believe, Jesus, that you've died on the cross for me. I make the same confession as those who've been baptized this morning make, where I say, I see that you're the Son of God. I see that you died for my sins to forgive me, to love me into wholeness, and I'm putting my faith in you. For those of us who've done that, there's a reality that we've been, tran- we've been picked up from the, from the realm of, of darkness and deception and, and put into the place of, of light and, and God's, per- God's Spirit lives in us. And so, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Amen. Amen. And so it, it, it gets a little tricky because we can look at this passage and say, well, I don't, have to, I don't need to deal with this, the, 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 my, my history, my past, my family of origin stuff. I don't need to, to look at this other stuff. That's, that's dead. That's gone. I, I, I decree it. I believe it. But the reality is that Jesus may live in your heart, but your grandpa lives in your bones. Like, there's, you, you came from somewhere. 
You've, you've learned how to deal with stuff. Maybe not the best way. And until we can like, reckon with that and, and, and allow God to meet us in, in our places of pain and, and woundedness and brokenness and shame, until we can actually let Him there, we can, we can whitewash all day. We can, we can say the name of Jesus all day long. But He meets us in the, in the brokenness. He meets us in the pain. He meets us in the loneliness. He meets us in the despair. He meets us in the hopelessness. Because before God, guys, we, we don't have, there's nothing we can do. But out of His great love, while we were yet sinners, while we were helpless in our bondage and brokenness, Christ sought us out. Christ died for us. Christ, the perfect Emmanuel, God with us, came to meet us there. And so the process of becoming healthy is a process of getting used to who God has made us to be. It's becoming who God has already called you to be, right? When you believe in Jesus, it's called justification. You're made right with God by the blood of Jesus. But the will of God for us in Christ is to be sanctified, to be set apart for our lives to actually reflect in our character, in our patterns of thought and behavior, the way and the character of Jesus that we see in the Gospels. And that comes by the Spirit at work in our life in our heart, by submitting to Jesus. I uh, tell you a story. In our family, I learned, I learned how to handle issues from my dad, who was a wonderful man, still is, but when things were kind of not going well, anger was a really convenient tool. To, to handle things. And so, really without knowing it, all that, I didn't, was actually very quite unaware. Until I got married, and things kind of, we started growing together, and I, I realized that I was getting angry at things that I were out of my control. I was getting, like, just, and I was like, I, at one point I was really afraid, because I was like, this is just how my dad used to respond when, when, when he was afraid, or when he was scared, or when he didn't know what was going to go on. And I'm doing the same things. And it's affecting Chloe, and it's affecting our kids. What do I, Jesus, I need your help here. And so over the, I mean, we're all continually wanting to submit and grow with God. And, but just to, just to say, one of the best things as evidence of God at work, just even in the last few months, uh, Chloe, I don't know when it was, but at some point she said to me, you know, I've, I've been noticing you're much quicker to, uh, to repent. And that was like the biggest compliment I could have received yeah. at that point. You've been quick to say you're sorry. You've been quick to recognize what you've, been, what you've done wrong and own it. God, God, that's, that's the work of God. And so I was like, God, thank you that you've been at work in me because it's evident in my relationships. Because the whole point of growing in these ways is to love God and love people better. It's not about just like self-betterment and so we look and feel better and a healthy, like, no. 
if, we're, if we don't know Jesus, then all the emotional health in the world cannot save you. You're still dead. But, but if you know Jesus as Lord, He desires, and not only desires, but commands to take up residence in your heart to actually let His life flow through you. And so, I want to just land in this place. This is, this is Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, famous sermon that Jesus gives. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Another translation, the NLT says, Blessed are those who recognize their need for Him. For, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't stop needing God. We stay needy. We stay dependent. We stay humble before God, recognizing that it's His, it's His grace at work within us to change us in any way. And so I want to call us to courage over these next seven weeks. I want to speak courage into you. That Jesus saw you at the moment of your greatest need, of your moment of your helpless state, when you could do nothing. He spoke value into you. He spoke forgiveness over you. He said, I love you. I love you there. I don't love you when, you when you've figured it all out and you've put a nice whitewash on it when you're, when you're presentable and everybody respects you. I love you there. In your brokenness, in your shame, in your hurt, in your pain, in your perversion, in your addiction. I love you right there. And until you let me love you right there, it's going to be a hard road. But when you let, when you let me love you there, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so may we be people who have the courage, not, not, not courage in the sense of being fearless, but courage to, 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 to act in the face of fear, in the face of vulnerability, and like, oh my gosh, what if people knew? What if, what if I was found out? What if, what if people actually knew what was going on in me? May we have the courage to walk ahead, to let God in, to let community in, to our actual life. To our fears, our doubts, our pains, our struggles, our, our temptations. So that we would be better lovers of God and better lovers of one another. And this happens inside out, not outside in. Can we say that together? Inside out, not outside in. I want to invite up Pastor Bill to close us.